Good evening, one and all. Welcome along. It is season five, episode 17. Um, we are represented by all four corners of the union today. So we have Ireland, England, Scotland and Wales. It's not often this happens, gents. No, it's not. No. <laughs> Jamie, oh, I well, I, 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 and Jamie's literally gone. <laughs> that it, bloody it, Yorkshire internet. Uh, Can't get the start. I know. <laughs> and he's back. He's there back. Jamie. Uh, Yorkshire, Yorkshire internet boys, you know, it's like... <laughs> that's, what he's, that's what we were just saying there. <laughs> that's too much BS, son. No, no, not enough. So, unfortunately, we're coming after a loss. 23-28 in some den of iniquity up in what are the initial thoughts, gentlemen? I thought there was... There's one thing I will say. We had a lot more fight in this game to the end, which is great. And mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, but I'm hearing a little bit of feedback there. Yeah. Just hold on. Still coming through. Hello, 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 hello. I think it might no, be... No, that's good. Is that yeah. good? Yeah, I think right. it's on Jamie's end. Ah, Right, uh, uh, but yeah, oh, that's, that's sorry, Jimmy. I need to keep putting you on yeah. for a second there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I kind of felt like uh, there was a lot of fight in the team. I thought Dak had a fantastic game, all things considering. Like he was like three hundred seventy-four yards, averaging eight point five yards per pass, twenty twenty-eight forty-four, three touchdowns. The only downside was. Terence Steele, my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. That's it. That, not that, I, I don't want to single them out, but we're, we're going to have to because I've got the stats here, and this is throughout the whole eight game, throughout the whole season right now. Yeah. Tyler Smith has given up 28 pressures this year. Mm-hmm. Tyler Smith has given up four, Tyron Smith five, Chuma Adoga 11, Zach Martin 13, which I'm quite surprised about, Tyler yeah. Bayadish 14. But still, twenty-eight. That's concerning. And after seeing that play, that 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 first down, and when we we're in the red zone, that was the time we really needed every offensive lineman to really step up. And it cost us that game. It put us in a hurry mode, and we rushed, and it just killed the game for us. Mm-hmm. Rich, give us your own thoughts. I've been really in a weird position after this game. Um, on the night and, and coming out of it and on Monday, I was in a weirdly okay place. I didn't feel annoyed. I didn't feel pissed off. I wasn't like, oh my God, I can't believe we lost to the Eagles. There was none of that. It was a... Okay. It, it was relatively... Strangely happy in a way, um, and I'm not quite sure why. Looking back on it now, on Tuesday, I feel it's probably down to a couple of things. One is Dak had a hell of a game. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was a lot more 
himself. There was a lot more old school Dag in his play, which was yeah. amazing to see because I think he's been held back from being allowed to be himself for far too long mm-hmm. and trying to be made into something he isn't. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with the fact of not to take anything away, to be fair, but Dallas lost that game. That scoreline was Dallas either side of the numbers. They lost mm-hmm. it. On that last drive and a couple of other places, Dallas lost that game. Philly didn't win it, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying that as a Cowboys fan. Dallas lost it. Yeah. Let's be frank. Yeah. And I think it's the fact of that isn't the first time that's happened. It is a recurring thing. There's a reason all these tropes about Dallas hang around for so long that Dallas beat themselves and they will and they will continue to until something something big changes or someone leads the way and says this that's enough is enough. And I think that's probably why I'm sat here thinking, do you know what? Not that surprised. Not that big of a deal because I've been here before, like a mm-hmm. lot of people have. So it's a bit, you know, I'm a couple of steps down the whole recovery thing. You know, I'm through anger. I'm through denial already mm-hmm. very quickly. I've just fast-forwarded step three or four. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's completely agree with what Paul said. And there's loads of other stuff yeah. that we'll get into. But it was, it was, it was, it's been a really weird one for me. Yeah. Jamie, give us your thoughts. I think it took, like Rich said, it took a couple of days to kind of really digest what happened. I think you go through that wave of emotions, don't you, when the game's going on. And then kind of when you sit down and you think of it logically, um, there was quite a bit, to be fair. I was, there was a lot of dodgy officiating. I think everyone saw that. I think we, we spoke in the admin group that even media t- media personnel were or around the league, should I say, media personnel around the league were calling out the officiating. There were some dodgy calls. I'm sure we'll go into that a bit later in the show. Yeah. Uh, was also annoyed the play calling. There was some dodgy play calling on the Cowboys behalf. Um mm-hmm. again we'll put the one that stood out was the final was the final play in terms of trying to get um, get the original set of downs to get to get into a position to win the game. Um, but then also looking back at it, just, just the team as the whole because that loss felt like a typical Cowboys loss. We were in the position. Should we have been in that position to start with? Who would have known if officiating and play calling would have been consistent mm-hmm. throughout the night? But yeah, we got the chance, and how many teams end up with the ball? What with twenty-seven seconds to go, with first and five in the red zone, and we managed to back ourselves up twice, and we, we blew the we blew the game ourselves. As, as mm-hmm. So then. A lot of anger in, in that aspect because we blew the game. There's anger on the play calling side, on the officiating side. But then when you look at it, how many people really give us a chance? So, like Paul said, like Rich said, there's some positives to take out of that game. I, personally, I, I thought the Cowboys were far off and, and going into this game. 
and I can't wait to get them to AT&T Stadium now because I, mm-hmm. I think in our home environment, I, I think we'll take these at AT&T. I don't think they're as good as... I even made out to be, to be fair, I didn't know that, they, that these were probably the second best team in the, in the NFC. Very much doubt that after this weekend. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Do you really think, like, the record of the Eagles really makes them out to be as an 8-1 team? Do they, do, they, do they look like an 8-1 team right now? I'm not going to lie to you. Before this weekend, yeah. But seeing how they kind of, they, they struggled a lot. A lot of the stuff that we touched on on the, on the show last week, mm-hmm. I, I don't think they are. I, I'm, I'm on that train with you now, Paul. I say I, I know bouncing on their drum, which is awful to think because we're Cowboys fans, but after last week, I'm struggling to find out how they are really an eight and one team. The reason, the reason I'm sorry, Brian, but the reason no, I'm no. saying the reason I'm saying that, like when you look at the Eagles, nearly every game they actually have struggled. They mm. really have. Yeah. When you think that they've they've scraped victories from left, right, and center. The Rams, Washington, twice, twice. and always and, and obviously against us. So yeah. and. W- me like and again, I'm trying to be as logical as I can, but I generally feel that we were generally were the better team overall. That was definitely mm-hmm. the best player on that field. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, d- don't get me wrong. Like, Jalen Hart's is 17 for 23. Yeah, that looks great, but he didn't really set the world alight. He was playing very yeah. conservative, like, and relying on the brotherly shove in multiple instances. Mm-hmm. And, that, and don't get me started on that. I think that's just <laughs> most, the biggest cop out in football. I really do. But I generally like, and I, I see some comments like kind of, uh, hitting on Michael Gallup right now. Mm. Yeah, yeah, his pass, his uh, catch was well, was really bad. But on the other two attempts, he big made big plays. He did keep the driver. Like one of them was like, I, he should, he should never have caught that. Because yeah. he, got, he got absolutely clattered in one of yeah. the next play, but yeah, I do agree he did kill the drive. But mm-hmm. there was other instances in the game as well where I, the one thing that really annoyed me the most was the the penalty on Luke Schoonmaker. That yeah. was that was a pancake. I'm sorry, like mm. like he was trying to pancake the guy down, and that same decision that 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 same type of technique was on Devontae Smith on, I believe it was, Stephen Gilmore. Mm-hmm. And that never got called. And not to mention Stephen Gilmore getting uh, getting face-caged. No, no, was it? No, it was Gallup. Sorry, Gallup got face-caged. Gallup, Gallup the, had the face mask. Aye, and that never, got flagged, that never got flagged, right? Yeah. And and there was the calls with the, the flag that went down, then it got picked back up. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And this is what I'm really annoyed about, guys. And Rich, I know you're going to jump on this as well. How many times does Lane Johnson and the and the guard need to jump offside and mm-hmm. also like need to constantly hold in the game? Honestly, someone like tell me, like, am, am I like I'm? I'm trying to be as impartial as I can about this, but. It's ridiculous. I've said this for the past two years. Lane Johnson has probably gets away with murder for the past two years, and it's now yeah. feeding on to the other guys as well. Yeah. I, I'm because so, there was one, there was a brotherly shove. It was in 
their end zone. They were uh-huh. on their one yard mm. of the yard line. You see the guard jumping offside before the ball snap. How was that not called? Like, mm-hmm. there was so- you know, there was a and not to jump on Therese, I know you mentioned this, but there was, there was one for the, the schoolmaker touchdown that was, that was short top. If you actually look at the replay, he was tackled before, so before he even caught the ball. So, mm-hmm. I was at that pass interference. Um, the one, and and excuse me for, I can't remember his name, but there was one where one of the offensive linemen came in as an eligible receiver. Yeah. They flagged it to say Too that he'd not called it, but there's actually video showing Dak calls him in as an eligible receiver. And then the other one that was a, a clear blatant one was, and to prepare, and it was even more annoying because it, on the Eagles' drive before, and to be fair, it was, it, was it was a penalty because you could clearly see it, but Curse was, was called for, was it passing the first or all? He, he grabbed Devontae Smith's uh, under. Right. Yeah, which 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 he did. You could clearly see it. There's no, but on the on the next Cowboys drive, um, actually to fair, it might even be in the last drive. It um, I can't remember. Yeah, oh no, sorry, it was the one where the the he, he'd thrown it out, um, and he got he got he got flagged for um for illegal holding, but it was on the Cowboys. But as it as it might have been, I remember who was doing it. The receiver was running up. He actually. The defensive back for the Eagles pulled his undershirt and you could see it and it was like you've just mm-hmm. called it on curse and you, so there were so many inconsistent calls from the, the officials it was it was unreal yeah yeah Jamie, Jamie I want to ask you about that uh, the well the shoemaker to a uh, touchdown that got denied I will say this though that would have been a touchdown and again I don't want to put the blame on but if Jake Ferguson did his actual inside block correctly Mm. That would that would have been a touchdown. That made the right play. He was in the right direction of it. There was I saw Jeta did a whole analysis of it. And I can completely agree with him. Everyone's saying, "Oh, why did they not throw it to Cooks?" Because he was not the primary guy in the first place. Mm. The primary guy was going to be Shoemaker, but the the job was up to Jake Ferguson to make the block. If he made that block properly, then uh, what's his name? Um, Blankenship, who made the tackle. Um, he wouldn't, we wouldn't be in any way of circumference in terms of uh, to getting making that type of play. But I too, do agree that should have been called for pass interference as well. But yeah. again, it's it's a weird one. Blankenship, yeah, yeah. Like Rich, I'm 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 going to come to you on this. I mean, what's frustrating every week is different officiating crews are calling things entirely differently. And what happened during most of that game was. They were calling it on one side, but they weren't calling it on the other side. When you expected the call, they didn't give it. When you didn't expect the call, they did give it. And it's what frustrates players and supporters the most is when you're not seeing the same thing being penalised. But give us your own thoughts. Yeah, so, I mean, everyone has the the general rough same sense of fairness and everyone wants consistency. Um, Look, people are going to look for storylines and conspiracies mm-hmm. and all the rest of it in everything but generally by and large for the most part these things tend to balance themselves out yeah. um what most people probably won't like but i completely agree entirely with brian broaders on this is that generally over the course of that game there may have been a bit more weight in terms of 
things against Dallas than Philly, but generally mm-hmm. it was fairly even. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, that last drive, you had a good couple of penalties there that weren't grave in your face all day long penalty flags, but you got them and you got mm-hmm. in a position to win the game and you didn't get it done. Now, my personal stance on it is, yes, it's annoying. Yes. I've been in in sports and I've had stuff done to me, been disqualified for bollocks reasons, to be frank. Mm -hmm. It's frustrating. It's annoying. But the more annoying thing is when you reflect on it and say, why am I relying on this? Yeah. You should not be relying on not being called for penalties or having penalties called to make up for not executing properly and not getting done what you need to be done. The best way to mitigate the bad officiating, inconsistent officiating, however you want to call it, label it, whatever, the best way to mitigate that is to take care of your business, control what you can control, and make sure that that's not a factor. Because at the end of the day, in this day and age, this isn't like we have games like Remember the Titans where the coach marches out and says, call it fair. Yeah. It doesn't happen like that. It is rare that you have very one-sided games called badly in this league. It happens badly. It happens in a lot of sports. It's inconsistent. Human I'll... nature. You, you can make lots of excuses for it, but you have to take care of your own business. If the game is that close, You've got to ask yourself, why is it that close in the first place? Yeah. Like, Paul, as we always kind of say, you and I both are big UFC guys. And as Dana White says, never leave it in the hands of the referees. Take care of your business. Put your points on the board. And take the the referees out of the game, that they are not important. And that's something the Cowboys didn't do on Sunday night. Yes and no. I still feel like... Offensively, we did do our job. We were putting points on the board and stuff like that. But defensively, there was moments where we shut off and we were penalised to the full max. Mm-hmm. It ended up being touchdowns for Hurts and mm-hmm. uh, whoever it was, yeah. uh, Kenneth Get Gainwell and stuff like that. So, Devontae Smith and AJ Brown. So, because the one what for me was the Devontae Smith touchdown, I was like, uh, that was just absolutely poor man, man, uh, mm. man, poor man coverage. Yeah, from I, I thought so. Um, we need to do better from that. Like when we actually pinned them down, we were good. We only held the the Eagles to 109 yards rushing throughout the whole game. And saying mm-hmm. that our rushing game, we knew going into this game was bad, like because how things are against the stacked Eagles defense. Yeah, but I will say though, why did we not play Rico Dodo more? Mm. That's a question um, I want to ask. That's kind of a question you'll see it coming. I, I I looked over this over the last couple of days. There are huge run game issues for us, and mm. part of that is Tony Pollard has never been a feature back. He's never been a three mm-hmm. down back. I said mm. this for I said this from and, day one. Everyone and their mother wanted Zeke gone last season. He's done. He's not good enough. Tony Pollard's not doing it. He's a, Of the eight games we've played so far this year, he's a one game over 100 yards, and most of the rest of the games 
are 70 yards and below. And I suppose the other the other factor of that is that the O-line is so inconsistent and constantly changing that it's affecting that run game as well. Yeah. The only thing I would say this season so far about the O-line is that generally, by and large, it hasn't changed that much mm-hmm. in terms of the people that are on field. Yeah. In the grand scheme of things, in terms of what we're used to. There's certainly inconsistently there is inconsistency in, in terms of the play and statistics. They they tell a story. They can yeah. you know my view on statistics, but they tell a story. And one story they tell you is that the right side of the line isn't as well shored up as we were hoping it was going to be coming into this season. Yeah, um, there are question marks on Zach Martin. Yeah. In, you terms, did, you in, terms, of, in terms of pressures, and, and, and pressures yeah. make, we all know what pressures do. You haven't yeah. got to be getting uh, sacks uh, every single uh, time. But uh, when uh, you have uh, uh, two sacks uh, back to back, it's an issue. Yeah. I'll, tell, I'll tell you why that is, because it's a chain reaction to the weaker side. That's how yep. it is. If you're a right yes, tackle, if your right tackle is absolutely having an abysmal evening, it's going to put a, additional pressure on your right guard. Mm-hmm. And actually, so, it, and when you when I kind of read the stats there, the left side is the least amount. Is so it's, it goes from worst, like, yeah. and a and a nice, and a nice like high to low count, like Tyron Smith and a uh, Tyler yeah. Smith have and have the lowest. Yeah. A lot on the left hand side, so we're fine there. Yeah. I'm ha- I'm happy with that. Even though Doda's actually okay, like he's, yeah. but, but well, saying that he's only featured what five games, so yeah, I'll give him the benefit of doubt because yeah. he's not a starter, but still, but Terrence Steele, nah, I'm, it, yeah, it, it was tough but, to watch. It was tough to watch. Like we knew that Riddick was going to be a problem in the game. Uh, I didn't realize how much of a problem he was going to be in the game. Yeah. Um, it, it, my pro- biggest problem with Terrence Steele was like he used to be so good last year with his hands, and it seems to be his hands have completely failed him this year. <laughs> um, Rich, I just just want to come back, circle back around to you there. Um, like you were kind of saying, Zach Martin, and we did discuss this in our in our admin group chat. And I kind of made the point that obviously, and we've talked about Terrence Steele, but Tyler Biadish is also kind of having a nightmare at times. And Zach is the middle man there, and he doesn't know whether to shift le- shift left to, to help with Tyler or shift right to help with his right tackle. And McCarthy didn't seem to put a tight end over onto that right tackle side to help even give chip blocks on Hassan Reddick or whoever was rushing from that side. And you know, like it's 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 hard to it's hard to fathom that they didn't make that change at any point during the game. Yeah, it's it's very strange. The only thing I can like this is very much second guessing and trying to guess mm. what someone else is thinking what they're trying to do and I yeah. may be completely off, but it's a West style West Coast style offense. Yeah. West Coast, Texas Toast, whatever heck you want to call it, it's West Coast style. The only thing I can really think he's trying to do is get the tight ends more pass catching than they are blocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
maybe he feels the offensive line is actually doing okay because at some point statistically they rank okay. Yeah. Maybe he honestly thinks he doesn't have to put someone over there like yeah. we think he probably should. Yeah. Whatever it is, they're not going over there. The reason to me that doesn't make sense is because I've always wondered this season whether Mike McCarthy has gone down the road of why West Coast was established in the first place. Mm-hmm. Or what along the same vein, not the reason why, in terms of playing to your strengths. Now, getting the ball out quickly is all well and good, but mm-hmm. you can't make up for having an inconsistent O-line by playing a West Coast offense. You yeah. can't compensate for not being able to exert your will and block very well for any decent amount of time by just trying to get the ball out quickly. Yeah. The reason for that is because West Coast offense relies heavily on a power running game. Yeah. If your line can't exert its will at the line of scrimmage, in pass or run, you haven't got a bell cow running back. Mm-hmm. You haven't. You've got to change your pace with no pace to change from in the first place. Yeah. You you can't set things up to have that West Coast offense firing properly on all cylinders. So it's actually quite impressive, in my mind, how much Dak and, and Co have been able to do thus far without having that. Yeah. And it looked more West Coast Sunday night mm-hmm. with Dak playing the way he was, like he used to, in terms of having people extending the pocket, scrambling out, catching people on slants and all the rest of it. Yeah. It looked more West Coast to me, yeah. but without a power running game. And that's where it's falling short. Because um, the line is not, partly because they haven't got a power running back, but partly because, yeah. or big part because, they haven't got a, a sufficient enough line. And mm-hmm. the bit that really annoyed me about this is you go back to 2016, 2015, 2016. Yeah. Dallas, we had a really good offense running over. Ooh. That was fun. Re- literally running <laughs> over everyone in this league. Yeah. You you ran through everyone. Yeah. 2016, especially. Philly got to the point where they're getting stampeded, literally, and gone, right, we've got to do something about this. And this isn't me making it up. They literally said it. You can go back and check. Yeah. They turned around and said, we are going to get draft picks. We're going to invest them in our defense and in the defensive line. They've done exactly that. Dallas yeah. hasn't kept up. Yeah. Partly through bad execution, partly through things they weren't expecting and you can't expect like Travis Frederick and partly through not just not investing enough time or as much time and as much effort and as much capital as Philly has. Yeah. And they've fallen behind the curve. And as much as I can sit here and say Dallas lost the game, which they did, they've allowed themselves to deteriorate to that point. Yeah. It's not surprising that they're not going to do very well or that Philly is winning the game because you can you can make arguments back and forth as to whether they look like an like an eight or one team or not. I mean, at the end of the day, they got eight wins. You can go speak to anyone who plays with a change of sport. Go speak to anyone who plays with South Africa. Do you think they really care any amount that they won the semi final, quarter final, and the final all by one point? 
Do they care? No, because they're world champions. Winning, no one gives crap. Winning. No one gives crap. They yeah. want it. It's the only statistic that matters. So, Jamie, Jamie, I want to bring you in and kind of follow on a point here that Rich has kind of made in terms of, say, the Texas, Texas Coast or West Coast offense. And if you look around the league, teams that are run heavy have th- two, three, four running backs that they rely on and a line that pushes and opens holes and creates gaps. As Rich has said, this team hasn't invested in that line, but they also haven't invested in that running back position. They've tried stick and plasters, like they've brought back Tony Pollard, who was injured last season. They brought in Malik Davis and Ronald Jones, who are not being used. They've Rico Dowdle there. They've tried Deuce Vaughn, and they've not really done anything to help in that run game with a power, as Rich has said, a power back. But the fact they haven't reinvested in the line and other teams around the league have is really not helping them. Well, this is the point. They have tried. Sorry, Jamie. They have tried. They just haven't hit. Apart from Tyler Smith, they haven't hit. They've tried, but they they haven't managed to do it, which is weird given how good they were at drafting linemen years before. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a bit of a dead scratch on it because we went through a massive period where we we drafted really well for years and then you kind of fall, fall off a little bit. Yeah, the draft class is out for this year um, until we can see what it's really about. Um, but apart from that, apart from Micah Parsons and you can probably just about put um, Jay Ferguson there, but if no, the Cowboys really drafted over the last few years, you'd be Struggling to put your finger on it, I would imagine. But mm. I like I like Tony going back on kind of the running part side of it. I like Tony Pollard. I was I was very keen on the Cowboys who drafted him when he came out of college. But I think this season's showing it a lot. He's not he's not a running back one, mm-hmm. and he's not been a running back one in his career in terms of college and the NFL. He wasn't even running back one. He, he was he was majority punt run punt returner in college. Yeah, he, he, he him and him and Zeke complemented each other very well. I think and then Kenny Collier. Zeke was that was that cowboy running back that you could, could run it up the middle and people would find it hard to to, to bring him down. Mm-hmm. And Pollard was that chase that turn of pace running back to catch the catch the defenses off guard. And also when Zeke had managed to wear them down, and you, you take advantage of that. But he's not—he's not a running back one. And I found it very strange. Is probably the best way to say it, that the Cowboys didn't address that. I know, I know, we were a bit like a linebacker, and we could still use help on the offensive line. But I was very surprised that the Cowboys didn't invest in a, in a running back. I know. It might cost a little bit. We're struggling for draft capital next year, but if Jerry in the front office think that this team is set for a push, mm-hmm. then you've got to go out and do what teams do. If you're in that, well, you get people others look at look at the Niners. I've got Chase Young, and um, that's just that's just one 
months and making off teams that are contending have either made moves in the off season to improve their team or done a bit of help before the deadline to get them over that hump. We didn't. Um, we needed it. We needed a get. We needed. We needed Carbo running back. It's, I think it's it's obvious with how this offense is going. We we were struggling to think weeks ago that what the identity of this offense is, and I think now we we we're finding it out where with that run option, aren't we? Yeah. If, it, if it's not there, Dak's gonna run it more often than not. And yeah, that's his strength. He's, he was really good at it in college, but do you want to be putting Dak in that position? A lot of the times, I know he takes. It's the most important position. He, he takes a lot of. Um, what's, what's the word? He takes a lot of responsibility for the offense. But do you want to be running your quarterback more than your running backs in a game? I very much doubt that. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's going to be a big offseason. I know. I know that's a little, a long, long way down the line yet. But I think it's going to be. It, it, it could be one of the most important off seasons of the Cowboys in recent in recent years. Yeah, Paul, I'm gonna gonna throw this question to you before we we move on and just kind of talk about the game itself. Like, if you look at teams around the league, the 49ers have gone out, made trades, got aggressive. The LA Rams have done it. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs got their asses handed them in a Super Bowl. Realize the offensive line is a weakness and went out and addressed it. They went and addressed it by trades. They went and addressed it in the draft. And when they saw some of those things, they went and addressed it again and got more players in through trades. And, you know, I think this is something Rich always kind of touches on in terms of the Cowboys is we do enough to stay relevant, but we don't seem to do enough to get ourselves over the line. You know, we're always there, 10, 11, 12 wins, get to the playoffs, but we just don't seem to have that push in us. Yeah, um, I don't know what else to really say. I mean, in terms of like, so I mean, we did bring in like said Gilmore, Gilmore and Cooks and stuff like that, but that's a whole different story. That's off season type of thing. But during yeah. the season, when you're at the point where, okay, we know where our team is at, what can we improve on? Like, thankfully, the LVE is coming back soon. Hope, yeah. Hopefully. Thank God for that. But you would have, have you thought, missed him? I think we have. Yeah, without a doubt. Definitely. But 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 the point I, I'm trying to make you're going, Rich. But the point I'm trying to make is it's like we haven't addressed the needs that are actually currently ongoing. Like we're we're bringing them bringing up practice squad players to fill the gap. We're not willing to make the bigger moves to kind of like make room for the for the roster for these certain positions. And I'm like, uh, I need. It's like, and I'm, and I'm like Meg. I totally agree with Meg on this point. I am sick of Stephen Jones saying we like our guys. That's mm-hmm. one quote that I just cannot stand. So, yeah. if that like, can we not do like what we did a couple of years ago? We traded the first to get like Amari Cooper, which at the time I was short. So why the hell are we giving up a first? But it turned out to be a fantastic investment. Like, but why not, like, get, uh, like, what did like, Washington, uh, the Washington, San Francisco did for Chase Young? The trader was at a fourth rounder or something like that. Third. 
third, third rounder. Yeah. But but with them doing that, and if Chase Young actually leaves the end of the season, they get a compensation pick on the way by. So it's basically mm-hmm. they got yeah. him for free. Essentially, the only thing doing is picking up the rest of his contract. So why can't we do something for that for this year? Like get someone who's on the end of the year their contract, bring them in for a lower end draft pick, and you'll get a compensation pick at the very end of the season. Like it makes sense to me. So I don't know. Uh, I'm a you, know, you know, one of the frustrating things is I know you're going to go back to Rich Max. Right, sorry. Um, is when teams kind of like you say, like the the Chiefs got handed it to them. Yeah, they're still in a women's position, but you see teams when they go through something like that, they kind of blow it up and the, yeah. and and the rebuild. And I seen a tweet a few weeks ago, and I can't remember for the life of me what that while the Cowboys are such a money making team off the field, that you'll never see the Cowboys blow it up. And yeah. and. Sometimes it takes that look at some of the teams. Like look at look at for instance, like look at the Ravens at the minute. They they blew up quite a few years ago, and they've been to the Super Bowl. They're one of the favorites, like one of the dark horses for the Super Bowl. But not really mm-hmm. we're talking about. And it's it sometimes takes that, and it's just. And I think you, I don't know if it was Rich that mentioned it a bit further on. Like we've got some of these players that are constantly injured, and like Tyler Smith, for instance. But it's it's like we keep them around because of the because of what they were and not what they are. And, and now that sounds harsh saying that, mm-hmm. but it, it's the nature of the game. In it, it's you if you want to if you want to win, you've got, <coughs> excuse me, you've got to go out sometimes and spend big. And yeah, teams have done that in the past and given up loads of draft picks to to bring in players to get them off edge, and we just don't seem to want to do that sometimes. Yeah, it's it's funny that. You say that because the ironic thing for me is Jerry Jones is is the one that coined the phrase that the the best ability is availability, mm-hmm. and yet the point you just made is entirely valid. Yeah, but I I think very quickly, Brian, before we, before we move on. Yeah, I think um, the Cowboys actually did the right thing by not bringing anyone in at the trade deadline. Yeah. I, I, I don't disagree with them doing nothing. The reason being, you look at who is available to make an impact, I don't think it would have made a damn bit of difference. Depends who, though. Like, if, like, surely there must have been one or two players that are coming to the end of their co- rookie contract, for example. They could have packed up for like a, a sixth rounder, for example. Mm-hmm. And have them for till end of the season, then get the compensation back. You mean to tell me that there, that there was no one really out there? Yeah, best of my knowledge, at the time, there was no there were no meaningful offensive linemen. Yeah, that again, if you bring someone else in, you've got the issue of if you're trying to plug someone in halfway through the season, continuity, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, the points that we make day in day out, Paul. Mm-hmm. The point mm-hmm. is bringing in a running back because you've got issues on the O line. It's all well and good having a power running back, but that's not going to mitigate you completely against having a bad O-line that can't yeah. get you lanes. You you may as well have kept Zeke if that was what you were going to do. You may as well just have him here because at least he knew yeah. he had unity with the team and you knew he could block. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't yeah. see the point in bringing in Sutan. Yeah. 
I don't know. I think, I think, I think, I think they're looking at a wide receiver now, and it's like, why? And to go back at, at, on the same vein and point to point Jamie was making earlier in terms of it, it was edging on the thing of not utilizing people properly. They're doing it again this year with Cooks. Same yeah. as they did last year with Hilton. Hilton this yeah. year was open a lot, didn't get much of the ball. Cooks so far this year is open a fair bit, not getting much of the ball. The Cowboys have an established pattern here, which is quite worrying, of bringing people in, bringing in skilled players when they do make a splash, actually managing to do the good thing of finding players for not a very big amount of money. Brilliant. But then you're not utilising them. Mm-hmm. I've yet to see Brandon Cooks going for it and gunning downfield a whole lot mm-hmm. to try and take the top off. You brought in a speedster and aren't using his speed. Yeah, that's for sure. Is, is maybe because you haven't got the running game to get them to, to commit to them and to, yeah. to get the protection long enough for Dak to pass it and get it downfield. Yeah. But then he's hurling balls downfield to CD Lamb and to Jake Ferguson. And mm-hmm. told it to not catch. So do, you know, do, you know, do you know what the funny thing on that is, though? The field? I, I, I know you're probably going to talk to me, right, just while it's in mind, but funny you should say that. Like, the, the, the one time, the, one, of the, one of the few times that the target cooks at the weekend was probably the, the time that they shouldn't have targeted him. It was the yeah. last play. CD Lamb, Lamb's your wide receiver one. When you need that big first time, you go you go for him. Everybody, even the commentators, found that it's catching. That's that's not a knock on cooks. It's just in that play, you automatically would go to your wide receiver one, or at worst, Jake Ferguson, because Jake Ferguson was quite hot on Sunday, but they just yeah. completely took those two out of the game, and they, they might as well just gone with no receivers for that. One. Yeah. Especially especially in this scheme, put your best. Mm-hmm. Player in the X, give him a custom route, get him open, get him the ball. Yeah, yeah. Rich, you you made a point there a few minutes ago, just when we were kind of talking about things, and we said we we we'll finish on this one before we move back to talking about the game. You mentioned, are we missing Trayvon Diggs? And I I, I think I get where you're going, but I'm going to give Van you the floor on this one. Van Der Esch, wasn't it? No, you mentioned yeah. Trevor Diggs, wasn't it? Yeah, I mentioned Van Der Esch. Oh, Van, Van, Van Der Esch, yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, then, I, I, I misread that. Put the whiskey down. There, but there we go. Um, <laughs> I just... I Someone asked the question today on, I think it was Talking Cowboys, and it's one of those things. Someone asks you, and you, you think about you, You've never thought about it. It's just never hit you. And then you think about it, and you go, hmm. And I don't feel like we've had a big drop-off in productivity by Mm -hmm. not having LBE around. And you look at the flip kind of that, he's healthy, he can come back in. Yeah. Who are you taking off the field to bring him on and is it worth it? Yeah. Because I like the speed that's there right now. Yeah, depth hundred percent. You want him around. Like, there's none. You, you need yeah. him. But I, someone asked the question, and I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I'm struggling to answer that." Which usually tells you all you need to know. Yeah. 
Like I, I, I have the defensive numbers going through the bottom of the screen there, and you can see Damone Clark eleven tackles, Micah had nine, Marquise Bell had oh. six. That's twenty six tackles in the game between three players, and doing the stats for for these shows most week. Damone Clark and Marquise Bell are nearly your, are your top two tacklers. And as you say, in that case, are you missing Leighton Van Der Esch? Because what we said all last year was we need Leighton Van Der Esch to stop, you know, to help us in that middle linebacker spot, to help the defensive tackles and stop the run game. So far this year, we haven't really been burnt in that running game. And like you say, Rich, the speed is there between Bell and and uh, Cook and you know Deron Bland is also helping out in that a lot. So you know where where does Leighton Van Der Esch come back into the lineup when he is off IOR? I I don't know. I'm I'm more than happy to to listen to Paul and hear his opinion on it because right now I'm just I just it's a question that I was asked like I said and I'm just like I don't know. It's the, it's the adaptability for the other players. Yeah, that's the reason why. You've got a guy who's purely dedicated to play the middle linebacker, whereas Bell isn't. That's yeah. that like you're seeing more numbers from Bell, obviously, because he's been put, put into that position. That's where you're seeing the yeah. stats go up, yeah. which is perfectly fine. No, no, I'm not complaining about that at all. Bell's mm-hmm. done a fantastic job, but yeah. I'd rather have Bell at a, bit, at a position where he's more tailor suited to what he's naturally best at, as that's yeah. been that that type of like strong free safety type of role idea. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, I rather would prefer that because if there's one thing that LVE, LVE does, like he can read the inside gaps of where the running back is coming, he yep. knows how to stack up along with the defensive line to really seal in the running back to prevent him yep. gaining any yards over the yards of line of scrimmage. That's what LVE is really good at. Not to mention, he is excellent when it comes to uh, if players are on, on the sideline his lateral speed is getting across to the sideline and forcing him out yeah. of bounds, not to gain any yardage going upfield. That's LVE right there. Yeah. Can, can I then, just add, add a quick one to that? All I'm going to say is 2024. There is no, no point bringing LVE back this year. Yeah, I, I know, and uh, just yeah, just to add to the little Max comment there, yeah, I do agree. Like, <coughs> the injuries need to are trying to play a big massive factor like that's multiple neck is multiple is one neck injury away from and i'm this is going to be horrible to say but it's going to be uh ryan shazier style yeah that's what i'm afraid of yeah like like the way how vanders tends to go in and to tackle puts um tremendous amounts of pressure onto his neck that's why he wears the neck brace and all that type of stuff as well or the neck guard yeah. whatever you want to call it to prevent his head from tilting back like for the whole like you know what I mean but yeah I, I really do think like the next one could be very damaging that that yeah. would be it so but if he, if he was completely injury free then you yeah you still gotta have yourself a good football player but this is kind of the reason why we kind of gave him like the more kind of team friendly deal to kind mm-hmm. of just it's more of an insurance policy on our end, but obviously he will be looked after from the Dallas Cowboys because we do have one of the best medical teams in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Like we brought Decker back injury and stuff like that, uh, etc. Yeah. etc. But just to going back to my point, like 
I still think that there is, it's like, it was the same idea with, like, I'm not comparing LVE to Sean Lee and that, but when you had Sean Lee and you had the kind of intelligence on the field to read the plays, yeah. I'm not saying LVE is that, like, but there is certain it, traits that LVE, yeah. there's certain traits that LVE it's can bring milk. to the, yeah. There's certain traits that LVE brings to the table that allows other players to actually flourish and actually, like, he's there to kind of, like, not to be a, oh, what's the word? Um, oh, it'll come to me. Give me one more. <laughs> decoy. No, it's yeah. like a slight decoy because then it'll bring all the other players to really make the uh, impact plays. Sometimes I, I, I get that with IOVE. He's a really good decoy player, but he mm. does. But in terms of run defense, I think he's actually at the right place at the right time. And you always see his stats right up there with the assisted tackles, always yeah. topped three like amongst there in the past two yeah. years. Yeah. So look, let's bring it back round and let's actually talk a little bit about the game. We're, we're nearly 50 minutes in and we've kind of talked about everything bar, bar, bar the game. Like, mm-hmm. look, we all said it in the group chat ourselves, lads, Dak Prescott. What a game. I mean, anyone who's trying to blame Dak Prescott for that the, loss. They deserve a slap. They deserve a, they deserve a slap for Blake. Like, I'm sorry, like, people are getting a wee bit upset with Dak with his foot going out of bounds. I'm, I'm sorry, but yeah. what more do you need him to do? He's been forced out to the sideline. He's trying to reach for the goal. Like, it's, it just happened. Like, I get it. There was a two-point conversion to make it, like, a three-point game. Yeah. I get it. I completely get it. But Dak was absolutely flawless, I thought, in the majority of the game. He didn't, like, had no turnovers at all. Yeah. Like, I thought he was making the great reads, but it was just, unfortunately, other players have assignments as well. Like like I kind of mentioned, uh, Jake Ferguson, if he made a better block, that shoemaker would have been an actual touchdown. He would have had more, like, clearing space from Blankenship yeah. easily. So if you rewatch the film of that particular play, you'll see exactly what I mean. Watch what Jake Ferguson does. Like, mm-hmm. he didn't put up a bit of a resistance to make the, the seal block in and that left Blankenship to get a, like get off yeah. a, a quicker release to get to Shoemaker, and that's what, and he made the play. So, yeah. and there was, and obviously there's individual mistakes with, like I said, that one particular Gallup play that killed our drive. Mm-hmm. There was Terrence Steele, like, not having a great game. But so, if anything, it's on the other players for not doing their jobs. Really, anything, like but Dak, Dak, to me was fantastic. I mean, his QBR rating was like one fifteen or something like that. Yeah, one fifteen point two. Yeah, I mean, and that's and that's good. Like it was three hundred seventy four yards, three touch, three passing touchdowns. What more mm-hmm. can you want in Philadelphia? Not I may add against a stellar defense. Well, especially yeah. up front defense. We knew their corner situation with Darius Slay and stuff like that were a wee bit questionable. They have been very tipsy-turvy throughout this whole season. This is what I keep saying about the Eagles. They're very lucky to be in this position, being 8-1 and one right now. Like, to me, the Eagles are not an 8-1 and one team. They're just basically scrapping by the nails of their teeth to claw out the victories. And that seems to be the difference right now. Like, they're, they're getting these, this, like, I guess, referee decisions as well. Like, if I want to be really... Uh, Dishbag about it, yes, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it's if anyone blames Stark, 
to have a good look at yourself, watch the film again, and tell me exactly what did he do wrong in that game. Yeah. Like, he made the right reads, I thought, the, the vast majority of the whole game, the other players actually let him down in that game, I thought. End of story. Jamie, you have been of the opinion in recent years, Dak is not the man to get it done. He's not the guy who's going to get us to a Super Bowl. On Sunday night, I think he had probably one of his best games in a Cowboys uniform. And whilst your point may still be valid, he might not be the guy to get us over the line for a Super Bowl. You know, no one has done since Troy Aikman. So, you know, what what were your own thoughts on Dak's performance? I think I think Paul hit every nail on the head with with his with his comments. I don't think there's much more to say. That he said, I mean, what Paul said, it's, it was it was it was it was borderline perfect, wasn't it? And like you say, I think that and not not to not to bag on the um, on the performance. If that were at AT&T Stadium, I don't know if people would be happy about it as much as they are. But the fact that it was in Philadelphia, in that kind of a hostile environment, against, like I said, they've got the, the for, as long as I can remember, they've always had a stellar front seven on that defence. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the throws, they weren't wayward. They were pretty much on, on target all the time. To be fair, I, I, the one thing I'd like to look at is that of, of those incompletions, how many were actually down to the receivers? Because there were quite a few times the receivers letting down on some of the on some of those. Um, so yeah, it's, he had a good performance, but it needs to be more consistent. And I think touch wood, when it gets to Super Bowl, the, the jury's still out. Um, but now the Cowboys are seeming to play to his strengths on offense. Are you you're talking about that being consistent there, Jamie? Yeah, I mean, like, like consistent in terms of seeing like the performance we saw on Sunday. We need that. Is it? Is a is a forty million dollar quarterback, but he's not being played like a forty million dollar quarterback. I disagree with you in that yeah. regard, and I'll tell yeah. you why. The last few games, he was eight. Tu- he's only eight touchdowns and one interception. In the last few games, thrown mm-hmm. over nine hundred yards, and that and his completion rate percentage is seventy percent against the Chargers, eighty percent against the Rams, and obviously with a loss against the Eagles, sixty five percent. But a lot of that was down to the other players. But the problem that Dak has right now, he's been sacked thirteen times in those three games. That's yeah. the concern. True, um, but outside of those three games, when is when is he really done on a regular basis? Outside of his rookie year, that's the that's the concerning thing. That it's he's a forty million dollar quarterback, and it's well for me anyway. He's still very inconsistent, and that's a little worrying for a quarterback that you're paying that amount of money. So, I'm, like I said, hopefully, I, I end up eating my words and. It, it can take us to a Super Bowl, but for me, the jury's still out. But, like you said, how the offense is set up this year, it, it, it's probably putting him in the best position since he's been, since his rookie year, to to thrive and succeed on the on the field. So, fingers crossed we can we can keep this going, because, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, 
it, end of the day, regardless of what we think, we're still gonna we're still gonna cheer him on. He's a Cowboys jersey. He was He's a Cowboys player. As long as he's got that jersey, we'll always we'll always have his back. It's just need to see it more for me. And unfortunately, Jamie, for for us as Cowboys fans, Dak is always going to get the jury out. It doesn't yeah. matter who the quarterback yeah. who the quarterback is. Romo got it. Aitman got it. That's getting it right now. It's yeah. it's, it's because the unpresidential award, like attention that's on the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, yeah. we are America's team, the world's team, whatever you want to call it. It's because of Jerry has put this media mogul. Everyone's talking about you, and you know how I feel about the mainstream media talking about yeah. Dallas all the time. Mm-hmm. It seems to be. Whereas the other stick for the other 31 teams in the NFL, it seems to be it's all about Dallas, Dallas, Dallas. And that's putting unnecessary pressure. And yeah. it's, it, psychologically, fans are thinking, oh, they're talking about this and talking about that. Oh, I must think that that press squad must be not that good then. I'm thinking, like, it's it's yeah. just psychological. Like, and that's what the media's doing. They're, they're trying to basically... And, and I sound like a bloody politician, it seems like... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... Oh yeah, the yeah. media is, is pure, like it's the matrix and stuff like that, whatever. But you know yeah. what I mean. But it's it, it, it's clear as day, if my personal opinion. But yeah. I think if anything to really assist that right now, if we can just improve the right side of our offensive yeah. line, give Zach Martin that better support. Because obviously Terrence Steele is struggling. It really is. Mm-hmm. His feet, his feet's not really with it right now, and his hands are definitely not with it right now. Like, yeah, and that's in pass protection, and that's where the majority of the sacks have been coming from is from the right hand side. Yeah, the other part is Richard, uh, Rich already mentioned, as our running back situation. Mm-hmm. If we can oh, improve those two areas and obviously get our receivers and tight ends to actually stick to their assignments a little bit better and catch them, that would be the perfect offense. I don't, mm-hmm. I think Dak is the least of our problems. Right now, yeah. in terms of our offense, oh yeah, I definitely agree. He's, he's the least of the problems. It's just, I think, like you say, because it's the Cowboys, it's the Cowboys quarterback. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more scrutiny in there than maybe other teams. But we, funny you should mention Terrence Steele. I seen a tweet the other day. I don't know who tweeted it, um, saying that since the issue with with Steele is since he got paid, he's gone on holiday. Essentially, <laughs> that's that was that was the tweet. Since he got his, yeah. since he got his deal, he's gone on holiday. Yeah, and to be fair, you see it quite a lot, don't you? In contract yeah. years, Cowboys have been very susceptible to that over the years. Um, that these players, like, look at and just Jamie, that, my, that, my, that my, is a whole other program. If we oh, if yeah. we were going to go into that, yeah. Miles Austin balled out contract year, yeah, and then just fell off the cliff. Yeah, that's what when, Dale seems to be doing at the minute. It's great. So does so the so dead technically. Yeah. yeah. I, ju- I yeah. just want to bring up a point here from from Joe. And then, Rich, I'm going to throw it across to you. I know you've been waiting to come in on this Dak piece here. Dak play- Joe has said, Dak played a good game, but the last drive, I believe he got confused with the delay of game and the fall start. I don't think that was Dak. I think that was on Tyler Biadish. Because you could see Dak <laughs> clapping repeatedly, let's go, let's go, let's go. Yep. And Biadish froze. I don't think that was on Dak, but Rich, come in there on Dak and let us know your opinion on that game. 
agree with your point there. Um, mm-hmm. Look, no, no one's. It's no one person's fault that they lost, but no. blame is apportioned more to other places than others, and rightly so. And I think one of the people that has the least amount of blame is Dak Prescott. Were there issues in the game? Yes. Did he don't make some great reads? Yes. Did he miss open receivers? Yes. But one of the things you have to look at in complete fairness is how is he able to potentially do that? Is he not seeing them because he's just not seeing them? Or is it the case of he hasn't got there in his read yet because he's trying to get the ball out quick? And I can't go there because CD's in double, triple coverage. Can't go to Ferguson because he's not open enough yet. And now I'm being sacked. So I haven't even got to Brandon Cooks yet because my ass is on the grass. Yeah. How is he supposed to do anything about that? Yeah. Uh, Dak, I've already said, Dak looked a lot more like himself, um, his old self. I thought it was a perfect blend of old school and, and current Dak. I thought it was really, really good. I do think he could potentially do it for us going down the line. I don't think anyone can really say categorically he's not because he's not been in a position to really show us whether he can or not because he hasn't had a consistent enough team around him. His best or tied best season, Mm. being his rookie season, all went on his back. He led this team himself after Roma Mm -hmm. going down, all the way down, and then lost to Green Bay. And he lost against Green Bay. He didn't lose against Green Bay. He lost because the wide receivers let him down because we didn't have a good enough defense. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to this season, and it's a flip. The yep. defense is good. The defense is shored up against the run seemingly so far through through this first lot of games yep. with Van Der Esch out. But they're not hemorrhaging madly against the run, not like they were. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. stopping a good offense in Philly, getting you back possession with, with help of a crazy call from Sirianni that I still don't understand, but there we go. Doesn't matter. You take what you're given. They're getting you possessions even if they're not getting turnovers and interceptions like you ideally want, they're getting you in that position to do something. And you, in your offense, are getting to that point and then it's coming undone. (laughs) And if you're pushing down the field, you're driving down the field and your offensive line is allowing two back-to-back sacks to push back, Mm -hmm. last I checked, Dak Prescott doesn't block for Dak Prescott. And last I checked, no quarterback can can make a pass when his ass is on the grass. Yeah. And yeah, the line was built for Romo, but the line, you know, the Cowboys didn't build the line tailored for Romo. They built a good line to protect a more fragile Tony Romo because he needed it and because they wanted to have a power run game because they knew they needed it. 2016 was a more in my mind, was a more West Coast offense, what you wanted to see from a West Coast offense than it was now. They just didn't need to pass the ball that much because they didn't have to because the run game was that freaking good. Yeah. You had two 1,000-yard two rushers in that team. You had Zeke, who was the rushing champion. You had Darren McFadden coming off a 1,000-yard season in 2015. You know, like, it was as good as it could be. But, Paul, 
there's a couple of questions have come in here in regards yep. to the last play, and I'm 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 not sure if this is the last play in the game that the guys are talking about, or if this was maybe the schoonmaker play. But I'm I'm going to pull it up anyway. Andrew has asked, can I ask why the tight ends was were, were not in the end zone when receiving the ball on the last play? And Tim has come back and said it's a rookie mistake. The Whitten wouldn't have made lack of experience. And I've kept banging on the drum about this in that the wide receiver room, the tight end room, lacks that personality of Jason Witten, a Des Bryant, Michael Irvin, that just says, throw the damn ball to me. But I, I, I'm going to give it over to you anyway, Paul. Yeah, if it's based on the Shoemaker play that yeah. we already talked about, right? So yeah. the issue was not Shoemaker. The, the the play was designed for him. The problem is is that on your other tight end, Jake Ferguson was lined up. He was to seal in the block. He was to seal in yeah. the, the secondary from that. He was to seal in Blankenship. Blankenship got off very easily and managed to recuperate and actually catch up to Shoemaker. Yeah, it could have been a pass interference call, but the way his knee landed, the ball did not reach the end zone, and that's why they deemed it not yeah. a touchdown. But in relation to that, it would have been a touchdown if Jake Ferguson did his job right, yeah. was by sealing in Blankenship correctly, and yeah. he didn't do that. So if, if you watch the game again, you'll see exactly what I mean by that. Yeah. And... For to saying that it's a rookie mistake, I think that's a bit of an unfair criticism. I think Shoemaker did the best what he could have done in that scenario. He caught the ball, he tried to go for goal. That what more yeah. could you want? That I wouldn't say that it was Shoemaker's fault, not at yeah. all. If anything, yeah. it, could, it could have been a pass interference call on the Eagles because he was tackled before it should have been. Should uh, and sorry, uh, I see that the comment is coming out. So, but should he not be in the end zone when catching it? Depending how many steps, like based on yeah. that type of route, you've got a three step route, then you uh, uh, they move out, or you've got a yeah. five step. It depends on the play design, really. If that if, if, if there was anything to blame, that would have been blamed more on the coaches. It's like, okay, they designed that, they designed that play for the Titans to take a three step rather than a five step. So that would have been the more the, the blame, really. And uh, but you screenmaker so, Brad Parler in front of the goal, but I, so the... from 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 my read on this, Paul, and maybe maybe it's it's a slightly different take. Is that Ferguson was supposed to come across the goal line, so the shoemaker could get that yard deeper. And Ferguson went behind the goal line, which allowed Shoemaker or which allowed Reed Blankenship to get across the face and across the goal line to take down Shoemaker. Is that right? Yeah, so Ferguson was at the outside, Shoemaker was the inside. Shoemaker would yeah. go up three yards deep, then Ferguson would come up behind to seal in Blankenship essentially yeah. and the other and the other safety. Basically, try and block, yeah. like, like just hold them off for that one second. Essentially, he yeah. failed to do that. But the design yeah. route was to be run along the goal line. The goal line, because when you think about it, cornerback, they would have been in deep coverage with uh, yeah. Slay, whoever it was, 
The yeah. other side was completely covered, so it was going to leave a whole open gap there. Like when mm-hmm. you look at the footage, it was the right call to make. It was just Blankenship got away and did a good, like, good job getting away from Ferguson and actually made the play. It's it's unfortunate, but yeah. if anything, it's it all relies on what Ferguson did, not Shoemaker. And I do feel it was the right play because when you look at how the other players were positioned. If it was, I can't remember if it was Lamb or it was Gallup who was on on the far on the the sideline, yeah. like basically. But he took the corner right to the right to the back right to the, the back into the end zone. So it left this nice massive gap. When you really look at it, there was no one else in front of Shoemaker when he was running, like yeah. paralleled to this into the end zone. No one was there. But in terms of behind them, all the players were behind them. But because of one one mis- like slight mistake of not holding up that block for that extra half a second, that was the difference. Yeah. So, look, the last three games, C.D. Lamb is on pace for for nearly 3,500 yards for the season if, if he kept it up. I think he's at nearly 500 yards in the last three games receiving and a couple of touchdowns to boot with that. Is C.D. Lamb now starting to blossom into that true wide receiver one? And considering, or is it he's playing because he knows his contract is due to be renewed at the end of this season? Well, I, I think he's a natural wide receiver one. He's got all the traits. Um, I just, do you know what it might just be? And why people don't think it. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing, on it, but he's not as vocal as, say, what Des Bryant used to be. He's not vocal as what yeah. Michael Irvin used to be. And Cowboys, Cowboys fans are, are used to that. And he, he's, that's clearly just not his makeup. Um, I, I think he I think he is. I think the Cowboys will extend him for quite a while. He'll get, he'll get a good bit of money. Um, mm-hmm. we, just, we just need to target him. Like I say, I think the, he wasn't targeted on the... On the on the last play, um, yeah. when I say last play, the, the last play before the ball back, like that kind of thing. It's we need to start doing that. More. You 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 bringing in the guy to be wide receiver one, and you're going to end up paying him money now. Target him, like target him in games like a wide receiver one. The Vikings do it to name one. Um, at times when they can get it right, the Raiders do it to Devonte Adams. The Jets do it when they've got a capable quarterback because they've got they've got that wide receiver one. It's just we just seem to not do it a lot. We try to spread the ball around quite a bit. And now start targeting more. It needs to be started to be done. Jamie, I I I think you're being a bit unfair. Like across the last three games, Lamb has been targeted nearly fifty times. Oh no like, no I don't I don't, I don't, sorry, like I don't mean that. I mean in general. Like I say it's just it's. It, we we just sometimes kind of have this brain fart, don't we? And it's like yeah. he's wide receiver one, and it it comes in in spits and spars. It's like it, it, it's not done consistently, is it? Like if you look at the true number one targets on teams, they're targeted a lot more than what CD Lamb is on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've done it the last few games, but it's it's we we need to see this consistently every single game. Yeah, you can be a little bit too one-dimensional, one but that's what you're paying your wide receiver for. You're paying your, you're paying your quarterback. 
obviously yeah. wanted to to get yards and get touchdowns. But go to your, go to your tight and your your wide receiver. Yeah, Rich, take it away there on CD Lamb. What are your own thoughts on him? I think he's running on quite nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the passing game generally has been getting better. The criticisms from earlier on in the season of the Cowboys offense was, look, can they, is the passing game going to blossom? And it has over the past couple of games. You said it yourself. He's just looking at it. He's rounding out. He's getting the ball more and he is producing. The problem there is whilst you want to get in the ball more, you've also got to spread it around to other people. Mm -hmm. The issue is, going to him at the right time yeah, and doing it consistently. Mm-hmm. Dallas needs to be able to do what it used to do in the running game. Everyone in the stadium knows exactly what's going to happen when that ball is snapped. But they're yeah. going to do it anyway, and they're probably going to succeed. That yeah. same thing needs to happen, but now in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And if you're in that situation at the end, like they were at the end, Ball went to Lamb. Problem was, plays before, got knocked back because of a sack. Yeah. But, you know, if if that doesn't happen, and CD runs the same route, he's in the end zone, not five yards out. Yeah. He's five yards deep in the end zone. Yeah. But to answer the question, or quite possibly, but to answer the question... um, yeah, I, I think he's rounding out quite well. I'm not, yeah. I haven't got a problem with it. He's he's cried for the ball. He's he's wanted more. He's had it. He's producing. He's doing well. Yeah. It may be because it's a career season. Maybe because he's just rounding out well. Don't really care. I'm happy he's doing it. Yeah. Paul, a question has come in here from Labarski, and I kind of I I wasn't sure whether to mention this or not this evening, but it it, it is valid question. Everyone that's gotten a contract is severely underperforming. Donovan Wilson, Malik Hooker, Michael Gallup, Terrence Steele. I would add in J. Ron <coughs> and Tony Pollard into that as well. Is I, that a fair assessment? Or I I have to agree. Um, I don't want to be thinking about the future as of right now, but I can see a lot of shopping happening maybe mm-hmm. trade players maybe getting traded away or getting released or to try and get away from their contracts or whatever try and get some compensation but yeah that's one thing that we've not done well in the off season is we've actually declared that a player is not staying in the team and teams are having offered any players and then they're going away for free so yeah. um but i would expect um not many of these players would go away, but I, I don't know likes of Kers, though. Kers is probably slightly different. Mm-hmm. He has some good games. Hooker, yeah, he had some good games early on, but he has faded away quite a lot, but definitely yeah. Pollard. Definitely Pollard. Yeah. And I know I see that Austin's made a comment about like trading for Derek Henry. Yeah. That, that would be all said, great, and done. You've got your I- final like, you've got your Power back essentially, but you still would rather have the same issue in the right right hand side of your offensive line. Yeah, you get drafting. It's not drafting. Getting Derrick Henry would have really pissed me off 
Because as I said, if you're going to go and do that, you may as well have just kept Zeke. You yeah. let Zeke go because you were confident that Tony Pollard was going to be able to do the same thing <clears throat> with this line. Turns out he's not a North, shock horror, he's not a North-South running back. Yeah. And every time they try to make him into one, he doesn't succeed. Mm-hmm. Mainly because, going back to the lessons we learned in 2014, 2015, is it the running back? Is it the line? It's a bit of both. You bring in, you get rid of a bell cow running back to get another one in. What's the point? You, you're wasting mm-hmm. money. Yeah, he, he's not going to do. He's not going to do jack in the grand scheme of things. You might get a little bit more. Is it enough to put you over the edge and get to the promised land? No, I don't. I honestly don't think so. Just the add on top. Just, just, sorry, Jimmy. Just the add on top of that. See, Mike always says like. Your best years as a running back is your rookie contract. Let's be honest. Yep. Like, I think maybe the only exception right now is probably Christian McCaffrey and and obviously history years, Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But the majority of running backs who go into their second contract in the NFL really tend to slow down. You don't get they don't have to burst anymore, they don't have to stand anymore, they, they can't take the hits anymore. All that type of stuff. So, yeah, I don't see. And and with Henry now, what this is what year five? He's in this fifth year. He, we are seeing a slight decline in him Henry? now. Henry, yeah. since Henry was drafted in the same class as Dak. Was he? Yeah, oh. he was drafted mm-hmm. in twenty sixteen. Oh wow! Well, even longer then. But you yeah. are starting. But you are. But yeah. But 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 the main point is you are seeing mm-hmm. a slight decline with him in Tennessee. Uh-huh. And, yeah. and the thing is, though, they actually have an okay offensive line, Tennessee. Yeah. Like, so, if anything, it might be a more worse situation for them to come here. I know it sounds crazy, but... Yeah. Say so with the chess, Lebowski, I'm all with you. Yeah. Jamie, 100%. you want to come in there, so I'm going to... Yeah, yeah the only thing I'm going to add to it is I, I was banging on Maybe not so much Henry, but that kind of running back I think we needed. Um, and I think the only thing then you get in the oh, not courageous, sorry, in when it comes to the trade deadline is and to be fair, the perfect example of this is what the Bears did. Now, if you're gonna go out and you're gonna you're gonna say, right, Henry was the guy that we want as that cowboy running back. If I if I'm giving up what you you, you would have it would have cost you at least a second round pick. Now I want assurances that if I'm giving up a second round pick, that Derek Edwards coming to the Cowboys and he's going to resign with the Cowboys. Now look mm-hmm. at and what I mean by that is you can look at Callum Buffins and was it with Chase Young gone to the gone to the Bears for a second round pick. Yeah. And he's made it quite clear that he doesn't want to go to he doesn't he didn't want to go to Chicago. Yeah. The Bears have given up a second round pick. Bearing in mind the Bears are absolutely awful anyway at the minute and you've, you've given up a second round pick that's not going to he's a good player but he's not going to get you into the playoffs especially because of how bad the, the Bears are on offense and yeah. he's essentially going to walk and, and the Bears are going to get nothing for it apart from damaging their draft stock where it, now if them if, how do we know are they, are they in the market for a quarterback They've been very inconsistent, so they essentially take say what you want, but they take themselves out of Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. Thing because 
it's just yeah so I, it, it's it's kind of a like it's a bit of a bit of a poison chalices um trade deadline because you end up yeah. probably paying but also like you say you end up in a situation like what the bears is so and would that have happened to the cowboys now as much as i would have wanted to see something i'd rather the cowboys not be put into that position of would just essentially waste their traffic because that guy's on the side. If I'm if I'm making a trade at the trade deadline, that the guy's got to sign. I'll come to an agreement that will sign in the off season and extend the contract. Yeah. I'm just there's a comment here from Little Mac. I wouldn't be upset if Dallas drafted a running back in the first round next year. I would um, be from what I've seen, there isn't a running back first round worthy in this upcoming draft. That's not all to say line, there won't be one or two drafts. I think the consensus here is all line picks. All line linebacker. Yeah, very valid point, James. You, you, you can get better. You can get absolute steals at linebacker in the in the second and third rounds. Yeah. I mean, if the if the what I mean by is if if the all if the offensive lineman's not there, I'd yeah. rather take a linebacker in the first than reach for a running back. I mean, I think Definitely. the biggest I think the biggest steal this year's draft was Ivan Pace. I really thought yeah. he was one of he was yeah. one of the biggest steals in the draft like this year. Yeah, Lebarski wants O line as well. Yeah. Well, look at lads. Let's talk about the defense because we've we've kind of given the the offense their props. Mm. This defense kept a very high scoring offense down to twenty eight points. It's the highest points we've given up in a game. Well, besides yeah. obviously uh, San Francisco. Yeah. But yeah. in terms, but in terms of because our average normally is uh, keeping teams under 20, 21 points. Yeah, and and on top of that, they, they kept arguably at the minute the, the most hottest receiver in the game to less than what it sixty yards, just over sixty yeah. yards. Yeah, sixty-six. Yeah, so, so the the the, def, the defense has got it. It's just it was just unfortunate with the games, wasn't it? The the, pro, the problem is, Jimmy. Yeah, we kept AJ Brown down to a hundred under hundred yards, but he was still able to score a touchdown. He was a mm-hmm. uh, it was the same with um, Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith. It was the same with yeah. Kenneth Gamewell and even Jalen Hurts got a touchdown as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. The problem is, it's like their certain plays, and, and I will give the Eagles credit, they have well-designed plays where it's supposed to really catch you out, and it really did, especially in our secondary. Yeah. I thought I thought defensively on the front seven, I thought we were absolutely fine. I thought the amount of pressures we gave Jalen Hurts was good. We, we sacked him three times. We made him fun with the ball multiple occasions. I thought we did our job as the front seven. But in yeah. terms of our secondary, I thought just when you thought you were doing well, they just catch you off guard. And it was just those simple mistakes. That's when they punished you so well. I mean, Jalen Hurts was, what, 17 out of 22, I believe? Something uh, like that, yeah. 17 yeah, so, out of 22. So, 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 so that, that's like a 80, almost 85% completion rate. Even though he didn't have as much high stats compared to Dak, but whatever... Jalen Hurts did in that game, it was effective. It was plays that made instant impact. Like, mm-hmm. the amount of times that A.J. Brown got the ball, it was like, 
it, it was very hard to really get, get in the position was a wee bit off. I, I kind of felt the lone brand was a wee bit caught off guard early on in the game. He managed to readjust himself quite well, yeah. I thought. But, um, yeah, with Jordan Lewis, though, I think he was a bit of a lost puppy in the majority of parts of the game, especially in that third quarter. That third mm-hmm. quarter was probably the worst of, 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 of the whole game. We scored no points and we gave up uh, two, two touchdowns in that game. Uh-huh. In, that, in that third quarter, yeah. Um, point here that that Andrew is making, and look, this is as valid as anything. Mm. How many times was Micah Parsons held and there was no call? Remember, there was one where he was shouting at the zebras that he was being held. It was ridiculous. That wasn't one call. <laughs> and Andrew, we are not the only one, my friends. You're yeah. not the only one. I think I actually woke up my next door neighbour uh, screaming and bawling at one o'clock, near enough one o'clock in the morning about it. So yeah. it was ridiculous. Um, Rich just just went and disappeared again. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I keep saying this. It was Lane Johnson was probably the biggest culprit out the whole lot of them. Yeah, and followed by the the the, uh, the backup guard. I think it was like um oh god the guy I, from I Alabama. It was his, it was start, yeah, it was his oh. first starting game. Yeah, especially in the inside. There was one play in particular, and I don't know if you guys remember this. It was in the second quarter. He mm-hmm. held Jonathan Hankins to the highest of heavens and there was no flag called. Hankins was already past his man. He had one hand already across his chest, hyperextending his arm to try and pull him back. And yeah. yet there was no flag being called. It was atrocious. Like, it's not many times like, I try and give referees the benefit of doubt. I really do. Yeah. But it really did feel though it was very favourable to the Eagles. Don't get me wrong, we got decisions in our way at the tail end of the game. We did. It almost balanced itself out, but in terms of the majority of how the game spread out, it was more heavily favourable on the Eagles. Yeah, the the Dallas defence was very, very, very unlucky to lose that strip ball. Because if you go, go and have a look, it gets ripped out and hits the back of his hand, which knocks it back up in the air enough for Jalen Hurts to then see it and grab it. If yeah. that hadn't happened, balls on the floor, possibly getting recovered by someone else in a different colored jersey. That was really, really unlucky. That wasn't poor execution. That was just yeah. plain old bad luck. That's yeah. all that was. But the, the the defense played good. Officiating stuff aside, mm-hmm. defense played good. They held what is realistically, as much as it pains me to say, probably the second best team in the NFC right now, um, or is considered the second best team in the NFC at the minute. I, the I, do, I don't. I, I really don't, Rich. I still. I think to me. I, I still think San Francisco are still top, I think. Oh, San, San Francisco are top. I, I, yeah. I think Philly is still, at the minute, you can't really make an argument because they're winning. They're getting it done. So <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. 
Yeah. Like, take it I, as they are one of the top five teams. If it's, if it's based, on, if it, based on record, yes, the Eagles are probably the best. But in terms of just overall performance of looking how they're playing as a team, I don't see them being a Super Bowl contender. I really don't. I think it, yeah. like... Guys, I'm just going to go to Jamie here. Jamie is saying there's breaking news. So, Jamie, I'm going to throw it over to you. Yeah, it's just it's breaking all over. The Cowboys have just signed newly reinstated wide receiver Martavis Bennett. Uh, Brian, Martavis Bryan, should I say. Sorry for pronouncing the name. But, yeah, Cowboys have just signed him. Am I the only one that's not actually upset about it? Yeah. Yeah, you are. I just um, can, can I can I finish very quickly what I was going to say about the defense before we move on so, to this? Yeah. Okay. Go for it, Rich. Yeah, and we'll talk about it then. The, 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 the defense held what is at the minute believed to be one of the better teams in the NFC to a much lower scoring level than everyone was expecting it to be. They held AJ Brown to not a great many yards and a touchdown. The ball to Smith was beautiful. It it was it was a beautiful throw. I, I'm going to give it to him. It was mm-hmm. it was gorgeous. They put you in position to win this game twice. Yeah. I don't think it's fair to come at this defense and say they didn't do a good enough job. They put you in position to win this game twice. Yeah. The offense didn't get it done. Yeah. And to they've got to win these kinds of games. If you're going to go into the postseason, you're probably not going to be blowing someone out 40 to 10. You're probably going to be a close enough game. Any defense that's the best defense in the league or one of the best is probably going to be decided by a margin of unless someone makes a real cock up or you're lucky enough to get an interception, which is a luxury or a ripped ball, stopping them on downs because that is a turnover. Being able to get your offense back on the field, win the time of possession, put points on the board. You can't rely on your defense to do it all season long. You just can't. You can't rely on any side of the ball to do it all season long. Complementary football works. It has to work, and they're not getting it done consistently enough at the minute. But to go to the breaking news, I think it's pointless. You're not using Brandon Cooks enough. Why bring in another one? Yeah. Like <laughs> looking at looking at a lot of the comments about it online, even Des has um, had a couple of minutes saying, "Give him a couple of weeks." And the Cowboys have got the sort of major red zone threat. Is, is he going to be that guy? From what he wanted at the time of the Steelers, who knows? But I, I suppose it's one of those signings. It is it's low risk, high reward, isn't it? Yeah. Are you confident enough they can protect Dak long enough to get him the ball? That's very true, yeah. It's a question. That's the thing, though. West Coast is not also just designed for power run. It's also designed for quick release in, in the pocket. It's supposed yeah. to be snap, snap ball, get out. So anything, well, if that's if having to hold on to the ball for more than three seconds, then it's up to the wide receivers to create that better separation yeah. and well, just add that unnecessary pressure for the offensive line. That's probably what the problem is, really. Here's... Here's the thing with this, Paul, right? Martavius Bryant hasn't played in the NFL since 2018. Oh, right, are, I didn't we serious, that. 
are we yep. seriously expecting a guy that hasn't played in five years to come in and have a big impact? And a is guy it, who is just the practice squad though. It's just the practice squad though. He's not exactly going to make an impact. I mean, if he's there just to help help our defenses, then yes. If that's one thing you need to understand as well, mm. if you're bringing into a guy to your practice squad, he's going to be there to help target your defensive backs in practice. That I can fully support. Doesn't matter if you're five years out of the league. Don't forget, like a Dronkowski, he was out for two years. He came back. Mm. Don't forget yeah. all these. Other, I'm not saying they're in comparison to the same type of player. Obviously, different position, different end quality, but. You're bringing in different. You're bringing in a different perspective, different looks. You're bringing in these different players to your practice squad mm. to challenge your opposition for scouting. That is the main reason why he's been brought in. That I can fully support. Oh, <laughs> this may be a storm in a teacup. He's on the practice squad. You brought him back. He's not played since 2018. He's not really done very much with the great respect to him in the XFL in terms of making a big splash. Do you really think yeah. he's going to contribute here? It may well be just for that. But you know what, though, if, if anybody's going to get the best out of them, it's going to be the Cowboys. And what I mean, when they brought people off the streets for a long time, and we, we had one, Rolando McLean, he'd not played for a long time, came back in, got used to a system, and when he was he balled out quite a bit for the Cowboys. So I sat, and I know it's, it's a stretch, but if, if, if anything, Previous history of the Cowboys have been playing back from long absence is is better than most. I'm gonna reiterate what I'm kind of saying. Like when you see a player that gets brought into a practice squad, it, it really does mean one thing: is you want to kind of improve the opposite the opposite side of the ball. You want to kind of target them from a different angle, stuff that we haven't seen before. What our our, our current wide receivers are not doing that an other wide receiver can do. Can Davis Bryan go in deeper coverage, maybe a little bit quicker than Gallup? Possibly. You do have crooks for that, but you might want a guy that's more taller range or version of him to like to challenge that. He may be a bit more physical. We don't know. There's all these different aspects that can actually help your defense and practice for scout that can really help improve that. So doesn't I mean you can put me in for freaking scouting the offensive line. I may give you a different look. I may be the shortest offensive lineman, but I can still put in a good shift. You know what I mean? But still, though, it's all about how to improve your defense. Like, we're not expecting Matavis Bryant to be on the 53-man roster. No. That is definitely out the question. Yeah, he's played in the XFL, but he's not going to be in it. So I don't Something just popped off in my window there. Um, <laughs> but... We're... I think people just need to chill and relax and think about the realistic expectations here. Like, Matavis Bryant's not going to be playing on the roster. That's a fact. He's going to be in the practice squad. He's going to be helping our defences for scout. And he's going to be bringing a different dimension. He might actually learn something from other teams that he can actually may help contribute. It's all about the contribution factor here and how to improve up multiple parts of the team. That's the, that's the main reason behind it. Yeah. Going back to what Rich was saying before we before that Martavius Bryant thing. Rich, as you said, look, we're not playing complimentary football. In the last two off seasons, we've been put out by the 49ers because our offense couldn't score. Our defense held up, and there is only so long you can allow for that to happen. 
And, you know, we saw that in the 49ers game this year. The defence just got blown up. And it's got to be a thing that the offence needs to start doing it in these games, which matter. There's no point putting 40 and 50 burgers on teams with second-string quarterbacks in, the Giants, the Commanders, whoever. If you can't beat the teams like San Francisco, like the team we played on Sunday night, like the Chiefs, you know, you're just not going to win Super Bowls. Well, no, you you can go, blinking Baylor went and put forty points on on Tondi the other night. Yeah, they feel great about themselves, but they haven't really achieved much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you you can you can put forty points on on the Giants and all the rest of it. You can wrestle your starters and still win comfortably. Potential for that. I don't think it's going to happen. Just you know, being a bit ridiculous with it, but yeah. you can you can do this. But unless you're going to win those games, unless you're going to actually be on the field for any length of time to buck this trend of okay, we'll just let Dallas be on the field for play after play after play and keep it in front mm-hmm. of us because we're confident they're going to make a mistake and muck it up for themselves, um, like the Eagles almost did. Yeah, you, you, you you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. The the best, most confident, I think it's safe to say we've all felt in this team in any season was when they were firing on all cylinders on offense back in 2016. Mm-hmm. They the, the protection was great. The penalty rate, I'm pretty confident, was, was pretty low, um, yeah. especially in terms of pre-snap. Um, if I remember rightly. But it fell apart because of the defence and they've gone completely the opposite way but just neglected the other side of the ball. So they've not focused on complementary. They've just tried to plug a hole so much and neglected everything else, seemingly. It's, or it's not worked out. Maybe I'm being really unfair with it because, like I said, mm-hmm. they've tried and Travis Frederick happened and glad he's okay. But from a Cowboys team perspective, it sucked. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll just point here, little Mac is making. I don't think the line is terrible. If Terrence played better, nobody would be talking about the O line. And I think a Great. guy who's 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 skating by quite easily is Tyler Biadish. In terms of Terrence Steele is picking up a lot of the slack from us tonight because it was very obvious that he was getting beaten. But Biadish was causing false starts. He was causing delays of game. And nobody seems to talk about the fact that the centre is just not good enough. I was more than happy. I said going into the draft, I was more than happy to consider a starter or a, uh, sorry, a centre or a left guard. Yeah. Yeah. For that exact reason, Terence Steele is coming off an injury. That simple. You mm-hmm. Players after big injuries. There's going to be time. I'm cutting him a bit of slack on this one because I think you've always got it for at least a decent part of the following season, if not the whole season. Fair points in terms of contract years and all the rest of it. Okay, fine. But we've seen him produce in the past. We've seen him consistently produce before. We know he can do it. So I think it's fair to say there's probably other issues there. The flip side of that is we're going to be fair there. This is probably more highlighting the issue you just raised in terms of at centre. 
mm-hmm. because, like you said, Zach Martin is potentially being pulled from pillar to post. Where is he going to help? He needs to help left. He needs to help right. And his game is suffering for it. Yeah. He can't be in two places or three places at once. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. I, I was more than happy to look at look at centre yeah. in the draft. If it, if it yeah. was the best position on the line, go for it. Yeah. I, I specifically wanted Schmidt because he could cover yeah. both. Yeah. And if you, my, my main thing was, look, bring him in at guard, then have a, a competition next year if you yeah. think he's better at centre. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Slabarski is saying, yep, Biadish is struggling, but we never know who our left tackle is going to be. I hate to say it, but Martin is finally starting to slide slowly. Our best lineman, in my opinion, is Tyler Smith. I think that's a fair comment. Just, just to confirm as well, Michael Gelkin has confirmed that uh, he's been signed to the practice squad. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. That's, that's kind of what we expected. So. Yeah. Um. So, gentlemen, we're nearly an hour and forty-five minutes in. Um, Mike's trying to kill us. That's <laughs> what that's what happens when you've got the 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 whole four uh, the whole na- the whole four nations here. <laughs> it is. Um, the world's right. Watch, the, watch is... the world burn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little Mac is really ruining my buzz here when he's telling me that Beatrice is getting re-signed for better or worse. I hope for all of our sanity, he is not re-signed. But I think there's a very big possibility he will be. And that does not fill me with confidence. But, gentlemen, as I say, look, we're now 45 minutes in. Is there anything else you want to discuss about the game before we get out of here? Yeah, if we can. Just because it's felt like it's been with them anyway. It's been like, it's been probably split down the middle, like a bit of like, yeah, the good and bad. Now, can we, can we get down? So we've had the good and the bad. Can we have the downright funny? Just to end it on a positive note. Go on, Jamie. You know where I'm going to go with this. Is it the the Eagles coach with the thong? No, no, no. That that, that was funny, but no. <laughs> <laughs> it was the big melee towards the end of the game when when the um, Eagles running back uh, decided oh, to yeah. have a go at Jake Ferguson, pushed Ferguson, and nearly killed himself by attacking yeah. Jake Ferguson. And that was just hilarious. I know we had a good laugh about it, and I was just like, that stuck in my mind for a while. It was yeah. like watching Scrappy do try to punch a statue. I'm trying to think of the other one. I think it was I think it was Damone Clark um, got got hold of Jason Kelsey and he did not back down from him. Oh no. Oh, Kelsey, can, Kelsey can jog on. Yeah. <laughs> Talking so can Syriani, just to just to paraphrase the, the quote that we said in the thing. He, He's got a face that even a tiger will take out. He's just so annoying. Here's, here's the thing, though, Jamie. We're not the only team that's seen this. Every team in the NFL <laughs> thinks Sirianni is an absolute complete douche. <laughs> so. He's got one of them faces, hasn't he? Yeah. Only a mother could love. <laughs> Absolutely. And Lebarski, we'll give we'll give Lebarski the final comment in, in in saying I hate Sirianni so much. The whole show after halftime, pretending like Kurt wasn't going to play, was so idiotic. Absolutely agree with you. But 
look, folks, we're gonna we're we're gonna get out of here. Paul, give the shout out to the guys over at Cowboys Experience. Yeah, so if you're planning on going to a Dallas Cowboys this game, be sure to go and check out CowboysExperience.com for game tickets, stadium tours, meet and greets, and much, much more. Be sure to go to the Cowboys Experience website and use the promo code UKCowboys because, guys, what do you get if you use the code? Get free stuff. Hopefully yep. that stuff involves an offensive lineman. Yes. You get free, obviously you get free stuff included with your package and dis, and obviously discounts. So be sure you don't hit up Barry and Michael at Cowboys Experience. So yeah, absolutely. And two weeks from now, Paul and Jamie, where will you be? We will be getting to scream at Dolly Parton for the halftime show. Nine yeah. till five, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, so as everyone knows, we've been posting this for over a good over a year now as the UK's uh, UK Cowboys fans travel package. So unfortunately, the mm-hmm. the time has expired if you want to sign up. Uh, but yes, yeah, so me, Jamie, Mike, Lauren, and I believe it's in total there is about 15 of us going 15 16 yeah. in that range yeah us from the uk we're all going to the thanksgiving game um can't forget craig as well craig cameron part of our admin group as well um a we've also got the, our friends the cowboys can fan they're going to be there we've got our good friends from the uh, big d deutschland uh the german cowboys fans from there and possibly I believe maybe the guys from Spain Cowboys as well. So mm-hmm. it's a big international takeover for this Thanksgiving. Uh, so make, make sure you um, check in on all the socials because we'll, no doubt there'll be some plenty of posting. I know Mike's on about it, doing some lives every now and again. So you might see some, yeah. uh, some drunken videos of me, Paul, and the guys. <laughs> no, no, I see drunken Jamie. I swear, if I wake up to freaking disco lights, I'm going to punch my... <laughs> yes, it's happening, Paul. It's happening. Yeah. Um, but as always, as always, look, myself and Rich and Graham will hold down things whilst you guys are out there having a great time. Um, but don't look, worry, guys... We'll, don't, don't worry, we'll, we'll be tuning in at some point. <laughs> For sure. Uh-huh. But look, guys... We're nearly two hours up. I'm going to sign off and say it's a good night for me and I'll pass it round the horn. Uh, you know what I'm going to say? And I'll say this till the day I die. Dallas forever, Philly for never. Nice. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Stay safe for the rest of the week. And then make sure you tune in with the guys. The pregame for another exhilarating Cowboys weekend. Have a good one. Tune in Thursday. Go if that number's not three digits. I'll be disappointed. Good night, everybody.